Hello and welcome to our special International Women's Day episode of The Gold Podcast. I'm Isabel O'Brien, Assistant Editor here at Gold, and I'm delighted to be joined by Gold's Editorial Executive, Jade Williams. How are you doing today, Jade? I'm doing great, thank you. Excited to be here for this exciting International Women's Day special to discuss all things equity within the pharma space. We've got some exciting insights to share in today's episode with some brilliant contributions from some interviews I conducted with both Pallavi Bansal of Merck and Emma Chaffin of Galapagos. That is right. We will be discussing a range of topics uh, moving from what International Women's Day means to our guests personally to how to foster a sense of belonging within pharma. We will also be doing a deep dive into some recent and relevant gold content. So do stay tuned for that too. Now, this year's International Women's Day campaign is hashtag Embrace Equity, which calls for greater emphasis on the differences between equity and equality. The campaign aims to get the world talking about why equal opportunities simply aren't enough, stating that people start from different places, so true inclusion and belonging requires equitable action. Indeed, working towards true inclusion demands a collective change and we should all be working to make the world a more equitable place. We actually touched upon an element of this in a recent gold feature written by Lauren Alani, who is the regional market research volunteer group lead at the Healthcare Business Women's Association in Europe. And this was all about parental leave policies, but a little bit more on that later. Let's get into our interviews for today. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we'll be hearing from two inspirational women in the world of pharma. And the first of these is going to be Pallavi Bansal, who is the Associate Vice President of Oncology, Genito-Urinary Cancers and Haematology at Merck. She leads the commercialisation of a broad portfolio of oncology drugs. And prior to joining Merck, had over 16 years of oncological experience in R&D, sales and US marketing. She also grew up in India before moving to the US to pursue graduate school. To kick things off, we asked her what International Women's Day means to her. Yeah, and a very good question. Um, As a daughter of a homemaker who was raised in a society uh, where culturally it wasn't prioritized that a woman have a career, a career outside of a home, um, International Women's Day is meaningful to me because that's one day we can galvanize the organization, the society um, to do more for women. Um, Even in today's world, um, there are women who are more risk of falling into poverty because their spouse is no more or abandoned the family and they're not educated enough to uh, work outside the house. And if you bring it closer to home, many of us are working you know, in large companies, uh, corporations. And even now, if you look at the number of women who are entering the workforce and the women who are at the top, there is a disconnect there. Uh, So for me, Women's Day means one day we can galvanize the world um, to pay more attention and inspect what we have done so far and what we have to do more to ensure uh, equality for both genders. I really liked what Pallavi mentioned there about International Women's Day's ability to galvanise both organisations and society as a whole to do more for women. This day has always been important and it absolutely remains so. We also asked what International Women's Day means to our next contributor, Emma Chaffin, who is currently the Vice President, Country Head and Site Lead at Galapagos. With over 25 years of pharmaceutical industry, strategic consulting and healthcare provider experience, she had a whole host of insights to share with us for this episode. 
So um, I'm obviously female myself or identify as female. Um, I'd prefer that we, we didn't need International Women's Day, but the reality is that we do. Um, we've, made, we've made some really great strides over the last few years. Um, now nearly 40% of FTSE 100 board members are female, um, but it, it's, there's still a lot more work to do. And I think it just keeps the agenda current. It keeps it in the spotlight and it keeps our focus on it. Um, so the gender pay gap has reduced by 25% in the last decade. But alarmingly, it's going to take around 132 years to catch up um, at current levels. And um, and that's, a, that, that's sort of an average. And actually, the more senior you get, the longer it's going to take to catch that gap up. Um, and a, an interesting statistic I heard yesterday, actually, although nearly 40% of FTSE 100 board members are female, in 2020, there were more CEOs named Peter leading top UK companies than females. So to all the Peters out there, well done. Um, but f- certainly further work to do with, with the CEOs. Um, I think on a personal level, I have a daughter and um, we all want to leave our legacy on this world. And, and one of the things that we all want to do for our children is make the world a better place. And in particular, to make it a more equitable place for my daughter um, and dispel any of those gender stereotype norms that are so deeply embedded in our society. Wow. Emma shared some pretty surprising statistics within that clip. For one, the fact that the gender pay gap reduced by 25% over the last decade, but will still take 132 years to even out is incredibly shocking. Hopefully, efforts that come from awareness days like these can help close that gap even just a little more to help with the cause for equity in pharma. Next up, Pallavi speaks to why this day remains so important in the pharma space. Yeah, no, International Women's Day is very important for pharmaceutical industry and I would say there are two reasons for it. The first one is that anyone who's working in a pharmaceutical industry is working in the context of our society, right? So our female associates who are joining pharmaceutical industry, they still have challenges which are due to society. So for example, uh, um, childcare services, right? In order to work a full working day um, and the school closes at 3 p.m., you know, what do you do with your kids uh, from three to five? And even in today's world, the burden of caregiving is more on women. So as a pharmaceutical industry, what can we do to support uh, our female employees? The second reason International Women's Day is important for pharmaceutical industry is because of the patients. Um, we develop, invent, and manufacture drugs for all genders, right? So how do we ensure that our products are reaching at equal level to both genders? And um, having an International Women's Day reminds us of, of that. And it also reminds us of how do we diversify our workforce to represent that perspective. Ensuring your workforce is diverse is a surefire way to make certain you're representing the real world, whether this is when creating marketing campaigns or designing clinical trials. It's all about getting medicines to a greater population of patients at the end of the day. We also asked this question to Emma, who had the following to say. It is, and I guess similar to that, um, whilst the day itself is important, it shouldn't just be about the day. The whole the whole um, sort of remit of it is around 
redefining the mindset that we we consider when we're we're talking about these types of issues. Um, within the pharma industry, I I have um, in my own organisation fifty seven percent of the organisation overall are female, and last year we took on about three hundred new individuals, and fifty five percent of those were female. So I don't think that's atypical across the pharmaceutical industry. So on the face of it, that all looks really positive. So you might you know sit back and think our work here is done. But it's not. Um, statistics can be deceiving and it's about what sits behind that. So how does that look at different levels in the organisation? How does that look in different um, sort of segments of our population where perhaps the roles are traditionally occupied by males more than females? And what are the opportunities for females within the organisation? What support do we give them on their leadership journey or on their career journey? How does that change and how do we adapt that for further up the career ladder. And within the pharmaceutical industry and the scientific industry in general, we're we're really blessed with, you know, many different um, female great role models over the years. So Marie Curie and her discovery and work with radiation, and obviously the British scientist Rosalind Franklin with her work with DNA, RNA and viruses. So there's there's lots that's positive. um, But again, within the pharmaceutical industry, there's always more that we could and we should be doing to, to deal with these gender disparity issues. A great nod to some inspiring women who shaped the future of healthcare there, Marie Curie and Rosalind Franklin. Emma is definitely right in saying that International Women's Day is not just about the day, but that the motivation to change the world for the better needs to be carried out consistently. Next up, we asked Pallavi about the differences between equity and equality in pharma in line with this year's International Women's Day theme. Yeah, no, it's a very good question in terms of the difference between equity and equality. And I had to do a little bit of a homework. Um, So, you know, one analogy that I would like to use before addressing the question about what do we need to do within the pharma. So the equality is focusing on, let's say, everyone should have shoes. But equity is focused on you can't give same size shoe to everyone. You have to tailor the 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 quality of the shoe, the type of the shoe to match what the person needs. And that's what we need to do in the pharmaceutical industry, right? So when you want to help uh, more female leaders, we have to tailor the development plan to meet their need. Now, someone may need more help with, let's say, technical stuff. The other may need more help with um, how do they present their work? Are they confident enough, right? So so in my mind, we can only create equal opportunities if we also take into account these differences in the equity and and allocate more resources or different type of resources to ensure that the, at the end, the outcome is equal. That was a great illustration of the meaning of equity there from Pallavi. As she mentions, tailoring development plans to meet the individual needs of workers is the true way to achieving equity. Not everyone starts out in the same place and some may need more support than others. This is something that Emma also discusses in this next clip with a nod to the work that still needs to be done regarding equality within the industry. Yeah, so it's a a great question. Um, And I think... You're right. There has been a lot of work done around equality, but I still don't think we're there on equality. Um, So, for instance, in our recruitment processes, there's data that shows that men are more likely to, um, to, to be successful in gaining positions than females. So even on the areas that we think we've focused on over the last the last years, there is still things we can do. So, for instance, would it be better to blind 
blind those um, CVs in terms of gender when we're reviewing them. We need to think about things like our interview panel construction. Are we are we leveling the playing field there in terms of equality? Are we also putting an equal emphasis on behaviours and skills within the interviewing process? So um, I, I don't think we would do ourselves a service if we forgot about equality and assumed that we'd done all the work that needed to be done there. But but turning to your specific question around equity, what we what can we do within pharma to aid equity? Um, well, equity is really about um, taking it down to the individual level. So for me, it's about those individual conversations and understanding both the aspirations and the additional resources, the additional training, the additional mentorship that individuals may need to, to sort of harness their, their full potential. And do we consider this as much as we should? And I, you know, I'm, I'm transparent and I, I don't think I do. It's not always at the forefront of my mind. And I guess that's the thing with International Women's Day is it's to raise that agenda and make sure that we are considering these. And when we make those types of decisions, when we look at things like mid-year reviews and what support do our individuals require, and it's it's multifactorial. It's, it's around skills, it's around behaviour, um, and it's around leadership, as well as some more operational elements around situations that people may be in with with children or elderly parents or carers so it's very unique and it's very individual the 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 concept of equity so therefore we must be mindful of that in our in our ways of adapting to it and responding to it taking it down to the individual level as emma mentions there is really key in ensuring equity within teams we took this one step further and asked emma about her recommendations for helping to foster a sense of belonging within pharma organizations So a sense of belonging comes from the culture that we create either knowingly or unknowingly and um, for me the culture is led by the management of the organisation. All organisations have, you know, their four or five words up on the wall of what they want to do, but it's about the actions that we do to support those, and those actions always speak louder than words. So once we've um, done the work around equality and equity, I think the best way of doing this is finding those passionate individuals that exist within every organisation and find the um, part of the agenda that they are passionate about and listen to them, and then support them in co-creating that mentorship, that allyship or the forums and enable them to embed that into the culture. And these things are far more powerful when they're driven from within the organisation rather than than a top down. And I think the last thing is to ensure that it's authentic. Um, it's it's really easy to spot when it's not, both as an individual as and as an organisation. And I think that um, we have to be really mindful that this is something we're doing because we want to do it, not because we feel forced by any particular agenda. And it's really important that we bear that in mind. Implementing changes to a business to actually help employees, not just to appear good on the outside, is such an important strategy in helping employees feel really valued. Everyone wants to be taken into account, so getting people's opinions and actually acting on them is of course great for fostering a sense of belonging. Palavi additionally touches on this in her next clip, in which she goes into some of her own personal experiences of motherhood. I think there are three ways to address and to increase a sense of belonging, right? The first and the foremost is representation, right? As a female leader, I am inspired when I see a woman at even a higher level who is leading a large business, who is a mother, 
and how she's still succeeding, right? So representation matters, right? It creates that, oh, yes, I can do this too. The second thing is that we have to also action certain things to help ensure that everyone feels belonging and part of the industry. So what I mean by that is, so for example, um, again, going back to the caregiving example, right? So how do we allow that flexibility uh, in the workforce? Um, so I'll give you an example from my personal experience. Um, years ago, um, I was working and I had just become a mother and I had a full-time nanny, but she would leave at um, six o'clock. That means I had to get off the work at 5.30. Now, sometimes there were certain things that were still needed and um, I, ne- I had to stay in the office, but I didn't really have that flexibility, right? But that didn't mean that I couldn't go home and log on later on to address whatever needed to be addressed. So I think um, we need to show actions that we are showing, giving employees that flexibility. Um, And the third thing is um, we need to also create groups if there are groups don't exist already in companies called employee resource groups. So, for example, you know, in my situation, after becoming a mother of twins, um, I really wanted to connect with other female leaders who are in a similar situation or maybe a few years out uh, of my situation to understand how are they doing that. So I became an active member of a women's association group. And then I got so much good tips from that, right? So, and eventually I ended up co-leading one of the women's network at a previous company. So to me, uh, in order to create that sense of belonging, we need to also provide different type of resource groups where uh, folks with diff- similar challenges can open up and you know and discuss with each other, strategize with each other on how to solve and address some of the challenges that they are facing. Offering tailored flexibility for those that need it has become a far more feasible reality in recent years, thanks to remote working. And it's great to hear that mothers and the like are having a greater ability to work around those conventional hours. Encouraging employees to come together and enact change on their own through ERGs can also be massively empowering for workers. So hopefully we will see many more of those implemented in pharma companies in the not so distant future. Indeed. As you may have seen, Gold recently released an infographic looking into how the industry is attracting and encouraging diverse talent into STEM. And within that, over 90% of STEM students surveyed identified that diversity initiatives are extremely or at the least very important. We asked Emma whether she had any tips for pharma companies that may be looking to implement their own new diversity initiatives. Yeah, firstly, it's it's interesting. Um, I've been in pharma for, for 20 years and diversity just wasn't um, on my agenda when I first started in the industry, nor was it on the agenda of companies that I was working for. But, but over the last, I would say over the last five years, it's becoming an increasingly common question that candidates ask at interview. Um, that as well as um, what are the company's ESG initiatives. So it's certainly starting to become a decision-making criteria for um, potential talent that we're trying to attract to our organisation. 
conditions and it's clearly important to individuals. Um, so it, again, this is where um, the authenticity comes into play because you can say, you know, we've got an ESG agenda, we've got a um, diversity and inclusion agenda, but you need those examples to resonate with the candidates and to um, inspire them to want to join the organisation. And, 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 and the way in which they are positioned by the organisation will give candidates the information they need to, to make those decisions. Again, those actions speak louder than words. So in sure that there are specific examples there um, and once more empower the teams and the individuals within potentially with a budget if you you know your organization is able to afford it um, the last thing I would say on this is um, just watch out I think everyone is well intentioned around um, the diversity and inclusion initiatives um, and just make sure that in your efforts to be inclusive, you haven't created any unintended consequences um, and you haven't unintentionally excluded a, sec a segment or a population within your organisation. Um, and once more, just a reminder that diversity is unique to each individual. So make sure that you're talking about the same thing when you're talking about diversity. Is it the diversity of the opportunities? Is it the diversity of the organisation in which you're joining and the population in which it represents? There is there is no one size fits all. So just make sure you're talking off the on the same topic and the same agenda. Authenticity is a real key word in that clip. Actions do speak louder than words, as we all know, and inspiring the ERG teams that do come together by allocating resources and potentially a budget could make a huge difference. Finally, Pallavi touched upon the importance of striving for greater representation within pharma to achieve better outcomes for patients. So I think, um, you know, we invent, develop, and manufacture medicines for all patients, right? Now, this patient could be sitting in New Jersey, London, um, Shanghai, Tokyo, South Africa, right? And while we all are part of a human race, but we all are in a different context and growing up in different settings and have different access to our resources, so when our workforce represent the patient in these different parts of the world, it allows us to integrate these different perspectives. So I'll share an example from you. A few years ago, I was working on a launch for a drug in acute uh, leukemia. And, um, you know, there are certain aspects of how those patients were, were treated were different between, let's say, uh, Latin America and emerging market versus what we see in United States and Europe, and um, and how are we going to address those things? Now, if I wasn't sitting at the table who grew up in an emerging market, I, you know, I wouldn't voice that. Right? People will overlook that. Hey, in some of those developing markets, those resources are not available. So, if you want to ensure that our product has success in those markets, we are need to also invest in other infrastructure. So that's what I believe that if you have um, a greater representation, you can lead to a better outcome because we are leveraging the differences for a better outcome. And that concludes our interviews for today. How fantastic to hear from those two very inspirational women in pharma. Thank you to Emma and Pallavi for taking the time to speak to us and to you, Jade, for taking your time to have those conversations. 
Now, I know there was a lot of highlights, a lot to pick out, but did you have a key takeaway you could share, Jade? Oh, absolutely. There was a whole host of amazing insights there, but Pallavi's last point there really stood out to me. As someone who had grown up in an emerging market herself, it was vital that she was sitting at the table to share those valuable lived insights to the product launch she worked on in Latin America. Representing the wider patient population is always key in these spaces. Yeah, I really loved that too. And I also enjoyed what Emma was saying about ensuring that decisions about diversity come from within companies, not just from the top down. You can see that employees being able to shape the strategies rather than being told the direction would be very effective in this context. Absolutely. Now, while we loved hearing from our two guests, it's time to hear from us. We have published a few interesting pieces on today's topic since last year's International Women's Day, and we are armed and ready with some of those insights for you. Indeed. So as Jade mentioned in the introduction, in September last year, our lovely media partner, the HBA, penned a piece around farmers' parental leave policies, which asked if the industry's approach was sufficiently transparent and what more can be done. Yes. In the article, it was revealed that Novartis and Sanofi have got a gold star as they are currently the only two companies that publish their parental leave policies on their company website. Do you think greater transparency is helpful in this instance? Yes, definitely. And I think particularly for women and men who may be considering joining an organisation, but are also hoping to start a family in the next couple of years. Obviously, these questions can be asked at interview, but it would be much more preferable if that information was just available to access privately beforehand. Mm, I definitely agree with that. Putting it in contracts is another approach, but then there is the challenge of misalignment being discovered a bit too far down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Another interesting point from the article was around how parental leave is approached in Sweden. So the article highlighted that they have equal parental leave policies there. And as a result, their pay gap is the smallest in Europe. A staggering correlation there. Mm, Absolutely. As the article says, transitioning towards equal leave enables new fathers to have a much more active role in raising their children. It also notes that this allows, and I quote, movement away from the stereotypical and often pressurised role of women as primary caregiver. Mm. Wouldn't it be good if the pharma industry could get together and agree on a similar policy to this? Mm, Absolutely. The majority of top pharmaceutical companies vary their parental leave policies according to local government guidelines. But should companies create a standard global maternity leave policy and incorporate required local laws instead? It's definitely an interesting question. Moving on now, another piece we published this year was around the topic of reverse mentoring. Now, if you're not familiar with this concept, it is exactly as it sounds. Uh, Reverse mentoring flips mentoring on its head and sees younger employees or those with different backgrounds or identities share their experiences and perspectives with their more senior colleagues. For female senior leaders in particular, these schemes can be a valuable way to learn about the struggles and passions of young women in their organisations. Whether it's professional or more personal reflections on company culture, exchanging information in this way can be incredibly useful for both parties. Yes, Rebecca Hunt, Vice President of Patient and Community Engagement at Vertex, said in the piece, As a leader, you have a responsibility to set the tone for your organisation. It's really easy not to know where your own blind spots are which I think sums up the benefits of these types of schemes really perfectly. Mm, Really interesting. Then finally, we'd like to highlight another piece we published by the HBA, which was about setting the stage for a more equitable future. Within this, they discussed the seismic shifts in equality in the healthcare and life science sectors, as well as their ambitions to drive even more change in diversity, equity and inclusion in the future. 
Yes, and within the article, a really interesting initiative was mentioned, and that is the HBA Gender Parity Collaborative, of which any healthcare or life sciences company can become a member. And it discusses how members of this group had far higher levels of representation on average than those that were not members. Mm, Yes. In fact, member companies had nearly achieved 48% representation at the senior vice president and 49% at manager levels. This is thanks to the collaborative's process of industry benchmarking, a leadership council for strategy and solutions marketplace to advance gender parity. Yes, I think there's no better way to create change. You're working out the size of the problem, getting the most experienced minds in a room together and then asking the collective to offer opinions on ideas. Absolutely. Now, if you're actually interested in learning more about the collaborative, we'll leave a link to it in the show notes because, as I said, anyone can join and it is a very positive scheme to be a part of. And on that note, that is sadly all we have time for in this episode. Thank you so much again to Pallavi and Emma for sharing their insights with us today. And thank you to you for listening. Yes, I do hope you've enjoyed listening to this special episode of the podcast and that you've maybe learned something new along the way. I certainly have. Definitely me too. Do remember to subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on next week's episode, which we can tell you will be with Claudia Martinez, Research Programme Manager at the Access to Medicine Foundation, who will be discussing her history of charitable efforts, insights into the generic medicine space and so much more. Absolutely. Please do rate and review as well if you haven't already. But aside from that, we'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.